Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome to the DJE Podcast. My name is Devin Elder and our guest today is Chris Leverick. He's a repeat guest. We had him back a couple of years ago on the show. It was great to catch up with them and talk about what they've done to grow their business since we last spoke. So we talk about how they got started, uh, some of the short-term rental stuff they're doing in some cool locations around the country and having that. Talk about their team. They've got nine folks on the team and some of it's family. His brother is part of the team and their wives, but then they've also got some US-based staff and they've got some Philippines-based staff. So we talk about how they found this staff interviewed the staff overseas, how they're running that, some of the tech tools they're using to run their business. Really, really helpful and insightful stuff there. Um, we also talk about some of their multifamily holdings and projects and how that's gone and what they're up to. We'll also talk about a, a 506C fund they launched, an education course they launched. So Chris and his brother and his team have been really busy the last couple of years. And uh, I think for you entrepreneurs and investors out there, you're going to enjoy that conversation. Before we dive in, a quick note from our sponsors, apartmenteducators.com is a company that I'm a partner in. We started a couple of years ago to teach people how to do multifamily syndications as a passive investor or as a lead sponsor or as a partner. There's, there's a lot of different uh, roles that you can take on within that business. So we've got a complete ecosystem, coaching, online tools, videos, networking events, vendors, the whole thing to be able to go out and do this business. We've got a free eight-part video series that I teach at a apartmenteducators.com. You can sign up for that. And if you're in Texas, we have regular monthly events, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, where you can come out and meet like-minded folks. Secondly, DJE Texas Management Group is our company. If you're not currently on our investor list, see future projects, you can go to djetexas.com. Coming projects. For the intro, let's get into this interview with Chris. Here we go. Christopher, welcome to the show. Great to see you again. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm back again, so it's great to be here. Yes, sir. Yeah, glad to, glad to have you back. You guys and your team have been busy the last probably couple of years since we spoke, so I want to get into that. You know, The market's changed a lot since in the last couple of years. But before that, how about a little bit of background on you and your firm and you know what were you doing before real estate and how did you get into real estate? Sure. So yeah, we've been around four years now. Uh, kind of went by real quick looking back, um, but got started in 2018. So I was I had an IT career. I actually quit my job this year. So Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. Um, left in March, left my W-2. But how I got in, um, ex-military, did four years Air Force. After I got out of the Air Force, I went into, um, sorry, I have a baby in the back. Um, I yeah. went into IT. I got a degree, ASU, Arizona State. I'm out of Phoenix, Arizona. So that that's how I ended up in Phoenix. I went to the college. And then uh, 12 years in IT, corporate career, cubicle, all that kind of stuff, 45-minute commute. Had the desire to get into real estate because I wanted something a little better than the 401k and I wasn't seeing it play out very well. Uh, bought a first two duplexes 2018 in August in North Carolina. So we did remote investing right away. 
uh, partner with a private lender right away. So I knew partnerships were key. And then just did deal after deal after that. We were in small multifamily for a while, about 46 units, all by ourselves, managing, all that kind of thing, um, you know, doing it remotely. So we did have a property manager, but uh, then we partnered up, partnered with others on bigger multifamily apartment complexes, uh, scaled up our portfolio doing that for about two years. Um, and we're still doing that. So we're working on a 224 unit right now. And then we've done five vacation rentals too in the last year and a half, uh, which we have syndicated as well. So, you know, syndication is really just partnership. So we figured out that uh, actually there hasn't been a deal we've done that we've not partnered with another investor on. So kind of cool. Yeah, I love it. So, I mean, you're kind of living proof of this. Uh, uh, if you want to go... <laughs> What is it? If you want to go uh, fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with the team, right? So you guys seem to have embraced that immediately. And yeah, if, you know, fast forward to doing 224 units now from just starting a couple of years ago. I love it. Um, I, I'm curious about the short-term rentals. What what markets are those in? The, the vacation rentals? Same market yeah. or are they all over the place? They're all over the place. So very cool. Um, you know, I wanted to try out part of our culture and part of our idea behind the company was being able to vacation. We love going to areas and checking out spots with our family. And we thought, okay, well, let's get a vacation rental everyday destination that we want to stay in. Yes, and so that way we can go on a company trip or we can even do company events for employees. Um, we're about like nine, nine employees, including family. So there's four of us that are family. And then uh, we have, you know, like family <laughs> uh, company employees, but um, so the idea was get some short-term rentals under our belt. We did one in Orlando, Kissimmee, Florida. That was our kind of proof of concept. And it's a seven bedroom, uh, you know, so you go to Disney World, you stay in these big luxury houses and they're pretty cool. Um, cool. But then we did three in Sedona, Arizona. And those kind of fell in our lap. Um, I, we were looking to get one and then two more just showed up. And so uh, we ended up doing those luxury properties, five, six bedroom uh, houses, 4,000 square foot. And Sedona is a very nice vacation destination if you've ever been uh, in Arizona. Sure is. And then we just got one in, um, well, just back in August uh, in Surf City, North Carolina. So right on the beach there, that again is a five bedroom. And uh, we really are anxious to get that. That's 200 feet from the beach. So, um, and they're very cool. All the partners. So the partners get stays. You know, yeah. that five nights stay. I mean, got all that stuff, think timeshare and all that, but you got a joint ownership. So it's cool. Owner, yeah. Yeah. What are, what are you guys doing for management? Using local third-party management, charging you 20% or you guys trying to bring that in-house? How do you do that? We brought that in-house. And so that's something we're expanding and we're trying to evaluate if we want to grow that as like a in-house management. You know, five is probably what you can do with um, right now, one person and a Filipino assistant, virtual assistant sure. handles yep. all the the inquiries and all that stuff. But if we want to grow that, we're going to need to really ramp up that kind of company, that business, that sidearm. So that's something we're evaluating if we're going to keep growing that end of it. But it does cut costs. You're, you're paying 15 to 20% for property management on, on really good short-term rental managers. Yep. Um, maybe you could get around 10%, but it's not the same. Uh, you'll just be getting you know average bookings mostly at that rate. Yeah. We pay 19% for one house that we have in Port Aransas, which is in, on the Texas coast. So about two and a half hours from where we live. 
same kind of concept. It's an investment, but we want, you know, we've always vacationed there. So, you know, we're paying almost 20%, but it really is like the check just shows up, you know, I mean, there's really zero involvement. Um, every time we go down there, it's in great shape. One of the things I like about that approach is it's always getting cleaned and maintained constantly, right? If the fans start squeaking, somebody's fixing it because your turnovers. So that that's, that's cool right there. Um, I like it. I like it. And then as, you know, as an investment performance, how has it been so far? Is everybody happy with that piece of it or are they more in it for the, the bet, the fringe benefits? So I think it's a bit of both and the, I'll, I'll cover three really good benefits of what I found so far with this. So the cash flow has pulled back for recently. Occupancy did dip. You'll see yep. a lot of people are saying that. Um, but there was so much interest in vacation rentals, and it was almost more than apartments, which is what we do mainly. We we you know raise capital for apartments a lot of times, and we you know funded close to two million uh, on on short term rental in almost a month, sure. uh, yep. just raising the funds because of so much interest. So. I was very surprised by the interest, but the benefit people really liked, I think, is being able to stay there. They like the cash flow and they like the idea of this profit from sale. We we coordinate them the same way we do a syndication. So a five-year timeline, uh, profit from sale at the end of it. But I think cool. they, they like that idea of the high cash flow because they do have a higher gross revenue than, say, a long-term rental. And that's kind of like flashy. They look good. And then there's the cost seg benefits. And they don't talk about mm. this a lot. We just did four cost seg um, you know, I'm, I'll throw out, you know, we did them with uh, Madison Specs, but we got close to 650000 in passive losses just from yeah. those four. And I'd say the total value, if you put all those four together, is around $3.5 million. Um, cool. But just, you know, you get all those benefits. And if you are managing your own short-term rental or a long-term rental, you can, you know, maybe even qualify as real estate professional and take some of those losses to yeah. uh, income. Very cool. And some really cool spots, man. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Although you might get dragged into taking the family to Disney now more, right? Or is that, <laughs> right. Not, a, is that not a threat? We haven't done it yet, but my kids are only four and one, so they're, they're not <laughs> yet got the bug. Y'all are going to be going every year here before too long, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's cool. I, I love hearing about that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that's, that's working for you guys. Interesting that you're able to bring on investors and really interesting about the cost seg component. Cause obviously that's one of the reasons we love multifamily. So let's kind of switch multifamily. Did the, um, raising capital from private lenders translate to raising for multifamily deals. I mean, you're talking 224 units. We're talking, you know, $25 million range kind of type of deals, eight, $10 million of equity. Um, how did you, you know, leverage that, that initial private capital for houses to, to the bigger projects? Yeah, that's great. Um, so when we started, it was private lending with just people from my work. So I was working in an IT career. A lot of people had good salaries. Um, and I was, you know, working with these guys, we do simple deed of trust, we were buying cash properties, uh, $110,000 promissory note deed of trust. And so we'd flip and we do the burr, we did that like five times. So we'd buy all cash, uh, do all the renovations, go get a lender. And when I refied out, I'd pay off the private lender. And so they never had equity position. That was great in the in the beginning, but it's really hard to scale like that. You can't keep buying all cash all the time. You do need to, and nor do you want to. The return for buying in all cash goes lower and lower the higher you're, you're going. You do want some of that equity or that 
that uh, price point or that purchase price to be uh, held by debt so that you can get a better return on your cash. And so once we started going higher, we had to have equity partners. It was just the name of the game. And when you go into these bigger deals, like you're saying, you definitely need equity partners. And there is more, a lot, a lot of those bigger players are more enticed by ownership where they get upside versus just being capped on like a nine to 10% private loan or something like that. Yep. It just became a natural order of things. Our first syndication we did, we did all ourselves. Uh, I don't know whether that's that's a badge of honor or kind of like a kick in the, <laughs> but we, we were kind of anti-mentorships and masterminds. And we did a 16 unit ourselves, which was a $960,000 purchase price. And that was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, learned a lot, but, you know, syndicated that whole thing um, with about 10 or 12 investors. And that really got the ball rolling on what we could do with syndication. Um, and coincidentally, we sold that last year for double what we bought it for. So, and, and it was a great time to sell. 2021 yeah. was awesome. But yep. um, yeah, so that kind of, that whole thing, you just figure it out as you're going along, like, hey, everybody wins if people all have joint ownership and they also care more and there's upside and all that. So I love it. So making that transition from, Hey, I'm going to borrow hundred K from you. You're going to first lean on this house and I'll get your money back in 12 months to, Hey, put hundred K in this deal along with 11 other people. And we're going to try to double your money in five years or whatever. Um, was that conversation pretty fluid, pretty smooth kind of transition there? Or? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, um, we had, you know, those contacts one to two, two to five people that we knew we could get the capital from private lending. And sure. so we needed a bigger range. So I guess we were growing the company as far as becoming more of a marketing uh, company and, and getting our message out there, getting our branding out there. So people knew where to find us. That took a little work, that little transition from, oh, I'm just talking to a friend at work versus now I need to present myself as a company, as a brand and talk about what we're doing and teach people. Cause not everybody's familiar too with uh, apartments. And, and that's been something we're constantly doing, right? Teaching people what you can own an ownership of an apartment. That's sometimes a new concept and a lot of times yes. a new concept for people. But New York hedge funds own those, which they definitely do own some of them. Um, cool. Well, so, you know, 16 minutes, 12, 10, 12 investors sounds like a logical uh, step into the syndication world. And did light bulbs start going off for you guys after that? Like, Hey, we, we could scale this thing up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much when it happened. Um, and we knew, we knew we needed bigger partnerships. We knew we needed some guidance. We needed better experts. You know, even when I'm thinking about the, the attorneys we used and the syndication attorneys that we used for the 16 unit, like we're not using those same attorneys anymore. We knew we had to get our network bigger and partner up with other syndication groups as well, because they already had those connections to different brokers. And it just made logical sense to kind of continue the partnership like that. Um, so learned a lot through that first 16 unit and we did very well with it and it cash flowed. I would say, you know, as a group, we learned also that we didn't make a lot of money on that in the first two years. of Yeah, they went to the investors and that was good on us. That was something we were trying to do was not not only conserve capital, but, you know, meet our projected returns to investors, even if that meant we didn't make a return ourselves. Uh, obviously, we made it in the end, but that was a good learning experience to 
understand what it takes to actually be a syndication company. And sometimes that can mean, you know, taking a backseat and making sure the investors are getting what was projected. That's such an important point. And I think when you're going to step out front and steer the ship, um, a lot of times that comes with, you know, writing a check. It comes with not getting paid. You eat last, right? But if you set it up right and you're building kind of investors for life, then long-term it works out. But yeah, short-term, it can be super, super difficult. So you, you have to have access to capital. You have to be willing to not get paid for a while and things like that. Um, but it's 100% the right move because you're building these longer-term relationships. And if you take care of your investors, they'll be back for, for the next one. So um, I wanted to get back, Chris, a little bit to your to your team. You mentioned you got nine folks and um, some of that's family. But what what does the team look like today in its current state? Sure. Yeah, it changed a lot. Um, we did hire out to the Philippines. Uh, so I actually, cool. probably since I last spoke with you, we had, or last on the podcast, we had a executive assistant that was local to the United States. And, yep. you know, she was helping me with my email. She was helping me with the calls, all that kind of thing. Uh, we have since transferred that executive assistant role to the Philippines. We have cool. an accountant in the Philippines. And then we also have... Um, uh, kind of, I guess you could say a transactions coordinator in the Philippines. So she actually helps everything to do with the vacation rentals, such as calling contractors from a digital phone line, uh, cool. scheduling things, repairing things, handling inquiries. So that was kind of necessary uh, for the vacation rental side of the business. Um, we, we, have, we have a guy who works, he's kind of investor services. So he takes investor calls. He's local, he's American-based. And then we also have a um, investor relations coordinator and she's, uh, she's local as well. She does amazing things with, with, uh, making sure we're getting all the transactions out and distributions and all that kind of thing. And then there's the four, the core four, there's myself, um, Ashton, of course, my brother, his yep. wife, Vivian, and then my wife, Jamie, of course, but yeah. I like it. Yeah. Big fan of, of the virtual, uh, we have one team member overseas right now in our accounting department. And um, it's very, really, really amazing. How do you how do you find these folks overseas? I mean, there's there's a whole lot of ways to go about that. What have you guys found to work well? Sure. I mean, I hired a recruiter at one point. Uh, didn't have a great experience with that. Um, both on two hires, uh, so I ended up doing it myself. And I found online jobs is great. Online jobs ph, and uh, it's super simple once you figure out the the way it works. Um, but just filtering for people. And then reaching out to them directly via message. I don't do job posts. Uh, nice. I've had bad experience with job posts. Um, you know, you just get spent. You get like 50 different applicants. I find it's much better to run your own filters and pick and choose who you want to have a call with. And that's been great for us. Uh, all three hires we have right now have been done like that. And they've been amazing. And the talent you can find through that kind of platform. Uh, not only do they, the platform is great, but they also show like a disc profile. So if you're cool. looking for a certain type of personality, that can be helpful. Yeah. Uh, that's a great, that's a great tip. Um, are all your, your folks in the Philippines full-time with you or how does that work? They're full-time. Yeah. 40 hours a week. Uh, some will work a little less depending on the transaction coordinator. I believe she has a one-year-old, so she works a little less. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're full time. I mean, they're they're great. We couldn't scale to where we are now without that kind of assistance. Um, For yeah. sure. And if you're in America and you're doing a job right 
now that is not super complex and can be done on a computer and maybe some phone, like you should level up your skill set because that job you might be making $25 an hour. Somebody in the Philippines come and do it in a lot of cases just as well for a fraction. And you know, we're in a free market here. So yeah, you gotta gotta create some value for anything, whatever you're doing, you know, you try to create some value in a in a unique way that um can't just be handed off to a VA because those VAs can do a lot, a whole lot. I have yeah. yeah, my executive assistant is amazing and she's she even is doing website edits now. And I'm you know, we use Loom a lot. So Loom's a great Love it. to record great. your video, send it to them, and they can take it from there. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love Loom. Such a cool tool. On that note, what are some other tools you you guys are using, you know, on your, your marketing or investor relations? Is it you know Google Docs or using uh, investor portal or what are the what, how is what does that evolve it to for you guys? Yeah, we went full with the uh, the Google Suite. So we actually upgraded recently to the business um, just yeah. for storage. But uh, everybody gets an email. We all operate out of the Google. You can do everything with the Google Suite, but we also yep. have Slack because it just does make it a little easier versus uh, trying to chat through Google or something like that. Slack is very helpful. We've even upgraded that one. We use monday.com for project management. So it's great for running a property from acquisition to close. You have it, you know, all the tasks you need to do and you can divvy them out. Um, we do, of course we have zoom, um, but Google meet has been really good. Uh, Google meet actually records now, which is great. Um, yeah, that is so cool. You don't even need zoom half the time. Um, but yeah, and then we use active campaign for a lot of our marketing, uh, a lot of our emails, whenever we have a deal, we have a trip campaign and we can just tag people and off, off it goes and does its magic emailing people and even texting. We've using sales message now. Huh. Um, which is built in. It's an app that you can plug in or integrate with Active Campaign, and as part of the drip campaign, it will text the number, you know, and say, That's "Hey, cool. we have a deal." Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, because your open rate on a text is like 100. percent Right. <laughs> you know, as long as you're not spamming people, we, we thought about it in that. that. Yeah, What's you that? could tell them. You could tell them, "Hey, if you don't want to receive these, you can put stop." And then that's kind of cool that people can opt out if they want. Yep. But are you doing first come first serve capital raises? Yes. So like you, I mean, if, if you're interested in investing with you, you kind of want that text message because <laughs> it's first come first serve, right? The thing goes yeah. out to hundreds of people. It's like, you might not have a spot. So a text message is actually like a, a service, you know, a wanted service in, in that case, right? You're not texting them at your newsletter every week or whatever, oh, but yeah. And, and you know, it's important. Even if we have a deal, there might only be like two text messages that go out. So um, we keep it pretty conservative. We don't want to be doing like we might send one email a week for the deal, you know, sure. but we're not going to do one text a week. Um, you know, we keep it. We know that those people's phone numbers. We don't want to spam them either way. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, cool. Great, great set of tools there. And I, and I love the efficiency of. I mean, look, I, I'm all about creating jobs. We created a lot of jobs in the States, but I'm also about efficiency and, you know, a business has to be profitable. So leveraging folks overseas is is such an efficient way to kind of complement your, 
your workforce. And then these tools too, it's just like, how, you know, you're going to run circles around an organization that's not leveraging some overseas stuff, not leveraging some of these, these tech tools. So I appreciate you sharing that. We talked about some of the short-term rental stuff and appreciate you indulging me on the multifamily side. What are you guys looking for? What markets, what type of, of project, um, you know, what class, I guess the characteristics of, of projects that make sense for you guys to, to go after. What does that look like? Yeah, we're in Texas mainly right now. Actually, we've been in San Antonio and Houston. Um, yep. we, we did one outside of Dallas a couple of years ago. And um, we typically we're looking for co-sponsors and we partner up for it and we raise capital. Yep. Um, and so we see, you know, is it in a market we like? We've been in Florida, Texas and North Carolina. That's where we typically align. And we look at B plus. Now we're doing an A class asset just because it's uh, it's got a great HUD cool. loan, which is cool. Um, but yeah, assuming B plus, yeah, assuming the HUD loan correct, nice. two point five percent interest rate, uh, twenty eight years. Oh, yeah, it's a cool on like a thirty five year AM or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Insane. Um, so pretty cool. Obviously, HUD loans close a little, a little longer, so it's longer, a little longer, but. Um, How's the assumption been though? Is that that's easier than placing the initial loan, right? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely not as restrictive, right? So in right. The initial, if you're doing it straight out the gate, I've heard it's a little longer process than what we've had already. But um, we're actually working with a group called QC Capital on that one. Uh, Christopher oh. Salerno. Sure. Uh, out of Charlotte. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we did a deal together back in June, a uh, 92 unit in San Antonio. So we're awesome. back again. And um, yeah, we got a fund now. We give a five or six C fund. Cool. Uh, so people can invest into it. And then that deal goes invest into multiple or that fund goes invest into multiple deals. So that is, it a, is it an equity fund or debt fund or how, do, how did you guys structure it? It can be both. So it's actually cool. a customizable fund. It's with a, a Vestor and uh, it's really cool what they set up, but you have a single PPM to sign. And it allows you to do debt, set up debt or equity deals in your platform behind, after you sign the paperwork. And then if you join a deal, you just sign a disclosure. It's a two-page document that says this is what the deal is like. So it's very cool, cool. how that, that yeah. works. So it gives you a lot of leverage in what you can get into and out. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's that's awesome. I love that flexibility. Um, very cool. Well, what um, I got a kind of a question around, you know, what you would tell yourself starting out. You've been through a lot, a lot of different asset classes, different partners, different markets. You're a, you're a seasoned vet, a veteran at this point, right? What do you tell yourself or somebody starting wanting to kind of get into syndication and big deals? Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, make sure you know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. uh, I think a lot of people jump into syndication, they hear the passive income, and they think that that means passive for the syndicator. But it make no mistake, like if you are in taking people's capital, and you're entru they're entrusting their capital with you to uh, have a certain outcome or a certain projection, you need to actually work to make that happen. Um, it's typically not a sidelines kind of thing, you're not going to sit on the side. So if I was talking to my younger self, I'd probably say, you know, make sure you understand what you're getting into starting a syndication company. It is a business and you need to run it like a business. And that might mean in syndication, you're not being getting as much cash flow to your group in the initial bit. So how are you going to compensate for that? How are you going to scale a business needs cash 
So maybe do things at the same time, or maybe, um, you know, make sure you're working with the right partner groups that you're carving out more equity for yourself, carving out more uh, acquisition fees. You know, a lot of teams, you don't know what you don't know, but I would probably tell myself, recognize that it's a business you're building and that business needs cash to sustain itself. So how can you have a run rate? Uh, that's what we found is how, how can we hire and grow with the syndication model to do better service to our investors? Well, we need to ensure that we take care of ourselves, get that cash flow from all sorts of things. You know, where to, whether you, and this is kind of, I think, why a lot of people launch masterminds and courses and that kind of thing. It helps just build that run rate so they can continue to grow their group and keep offering great deals instead of simply waiting, you know, five years for that first deal to close out. So. I love it. Yeah. That's really good insight in um, you do eat last kind of as a business owner, but you still need to eat, right. Got to, got to keep the lights on and, and um, got to kind of keep things running. So I love, I love that insight. Uh, this is great. So what we're coming to the end of 2022, what are you guys thinking for, for next year? You know, obviously the market throws curls this year, but uh, what are you guys counting as your your targets for next year? One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we are we're all steam ahead. We have just launched, so we launched a fund, five hundred six C fund. So we're going to put at least one deal a quarter in that fund. Um, cool. Preferably, it's a five hundred six C. Preferably, I like to do one syndication a quarter in that at least. And then uh, we're analyzing if we're going to keep doing short term rentals. But we've launched a course, so a fully videoed course I did, which was a lot of fun in August. Um, it's all edited. It's on a new platform. And that is some level of, you know, people can just click that, buy the course, and they get all sorts of free files and content. Um, and so that's going to be a new arm to us to, to see where that education realm takes us as well. Um, and I'd love to that to be able to keep offering the deals we're doing and be supported by some of this education uh, side of the business. We don't do as much coaching, if any, and, you know, maybe looking at some of that, but uh, we have kind of paused on the vacation rentals because we're at our five limit, but it was a goal to get four this year. So we kind of rushed it. Now we need to put a lot of more of that operations behind it. And if that, if January comes around and we have that plan in place, I'd love to do a couple more, maybe sure. a, a couple big ones, you know, just maybe instead of four, we do two, in the three to two million dollar range, and say Hawaii or something like that, um, with the right partners. So, yeah, uh, sure. You get the track record, and you can kind of you've established the model. So Hawaii sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm sure there's yeah. vacation rental demand out there, right? Oh yeah, a little <laughs> more policy to 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 follow, but um, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I love it. Uh, well, Chris, for uh, thank you very very much for for sharing up somebody listening wants to connect and find out what you guys are up to, how can they do that? Yeah, the best way, just go to our website, valkyriegroup.com, V-A-L-K-E-R-E group.com. A uh, lot of content on there. I've written a blog for the last three years a week. So there's a lot of blogs on there you can, you can look at. We've got all sorts of different options and free resources, our podcast. If you want to sign up for the masterclass, all that, and you could contact us there. I'm also on LinkedIn. So just, you can look up my name on LinkedIn and, and connect. Awesome. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can click through and the link is right there. Uh, Christopher, thank you so much. I wish you guys uh, success in the, in the rest of your ventures uh, next year. And thanks for coming back on the podcast. 
Thank you, Devin. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.